Welcome. You are listening to Audio from the Table. If you'd like to learn more about our community or donate to this ministry, please visit thetabletx.com. sleep before midnight, but um, yeah, so it's always, you know, next day for me, <laughs> it's like, all right, it's a bit much, um, but it's, it is, it's so good to be with you all, I'm so glad you're here, I didn't, I didn't actually know if anyone would come, so uh, I'm like, I'm delighted, like, look at you, you showed up, it's wonderful, um, and also, I want to welcome those joining us online, we love you all lots, I'm thinking of, who all is, it's James is online with us, um, Gail, Bayron, often, who else? Seth Horvath is on there all the time. James uh, is on there all the time. Uh, there's, yeah, a number of, of folks. Sorry if I'm missing. There's always the danger of listing specific people. Sorry. Um, but uh, I just want you all to know you're, you are uh, loved, too, and um, we're glad you're with us. So, um, and also anyone here who's um, new in our midst, thanks for, for being with us. It means a lot. It can take a lot of courage to walk through those doors, come into a new space, new community, you know, all that. Um, so tonight, like Kelly mentioned, is it's a really special night, and um, I have no long sermon for you uh, because it is Story Sunday, and um, this is this is it's kind of this this practice that we've been engaging for the last few years that we it's just I don't know there's something so powerful about um, letting people uh, giving space for people to just share vulnerably about um, just their story, and sometimes it's focused on like the last year. Um, sometimes it's more of like over, um, you know, decades, which is kind of like tonight is is some bigger picture, kind of longer term stories. Um, but either way, it's just, it's always wonderful. Uh, and honestly, you hear enough from me all year. So I think, I think we could all use a break. Um, so it is, it's really great to hear from some other folks. Um, we have a, our text tonight is John 15, 26 through 27. Uh, This is Christ speaking. He says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And uh, the key line there is that that invitation for for us to actually testify, which is a little bit of a a churchy word, I know, but it it just means to, to, um, to share the story, to name, uh, not only the goodness of God and the, the beauty of Christ, but even just to share like what, um, how Christ has been active in our own lives. And there's just something so compelling and, and powerful about that. So kind of my hope is that, uh, that as you listen to these stories, that like you start to see aspects of your own story um, kind of in and through it. Even if the details, you know, of course will differ. Um, but that there's always like connection points, and so um, yeah, be be just kind of having those those ears to hear tonight uh, to see what what God might be speaking to you in and through these folks. So uh, without further ado, our first person tonight, uh, our first story is going to be Jeff Piersman. Y'all, Y'all give him a hand. Him. Come on up, friend. Let's see, we centered. 
Test. test. You got, you got it. it. Test, test. Test, test. I'm not good at Hey, you're among friends, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. see, look at them. They look so nice. They look so nice. So, um, Jeff, I really, if y'all don't know Jeff, he's great. What I really appreciate, this will come out more in his story, is that, uh, like, for where Jeff is now, it has been so hard fought. Like, not much came easy. And, uh, and so just to see, like, the, just the husband he is, the follower of Christ he is, like, it's, it's really, it's, it's wonderful. So, Jeff, how about you start, just like kind of catch us up. For those who maybe don't know you, share a little bit just about who you are, you know, now, and then take us back to like, you know, back to like family stuff and how, yeah, how, to, how were you raised? And, back to the day. Yeah, way back All in the right, day. Thank you. Um, so, yes, I was born in uh, the Netherlands, in Holland, originally, and uh, my mom was uh, there, of course, and all that, and, but uh, my my mom divorced and then married a traveling hippie as he came through in the 70s. That was my stepdad-to-be. And uh, then he wanted, he, he wanted to go back home, so he says, well, why don't y'all come with me? So we all piled in and flew to America, and here we are. You wouldn't know it unless I told you. you yeah. know, How was, old were I you? I was like five. That? Okay, young mm-hmm. yeah. at the time. Yeah. I'm still a Dutch citizen, so, you know, you know. You would never know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we came here to the States. Believe it or not, we, they bought a little, uh, one of them little Volkswagen campers with the pop-up tops, and we traveled for about a year everywhere, had flowers on the side, you know, all that stuff, you know. <laughs> you know, the hippie thing, whatever. And uh, we, we settled in Dallas to go to Christ for the Nations Bible Institute. They found the Lord, or Laurel or the Lord found them, and, uh, you know, that's how we ended up here in Dallas. It was supposed to be for two years. I'm still here, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think I was like, like eight, eight to ten, ten eight, eight at that, that point, point, and, and uh, I, went I went to, to you know, CF&I, and, and I went, went to, to Trinity, Trinity School, you know, Trinity, Trinity. back when they were treasures for a couple of years, and, and a couple, couple other, you know, classes. So I was brought up. From that point, with God, with Christ, and, you know, I always had the foundation there. I knew, I knew what it was, and I knew right from wrong for sure. I just didn't care at some point. I think, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe it's that just didn't care is a good transition. So eventually, uh, your life it kind of took uh, like a darker turn, like a, a more difficult, challenging um, turn. Share some of that that background and how you, how you got there. Yep. Let me let me jump back real quick. I, f- I forgot to say that w- when we moved from there, we we did eventually settle in in Gar- in in, in, Gar- in Garland, and uh, my my mom and dad had four more kids besides me and my sister. So there were six of us, and they all laid a pretty high quota to to meet. My brothers, Josh Havens from the Afters, and uh, they uh, they my sisters got a doctrine, and they all got all this stuff. So yeah, it's like. And then there's me, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I was the black sheep, you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, kind of yeah. What what happened or where yeah where did things start to? Uh, yeah. So as a teenager, I was pretty much lost. I think we all the traveling. I was never able to lay down roots anywhere, you know. And I was just looking for an escape or acceptance or 
you know, anything that could, you know, just moving around. And uh, I was doing drugs by the time I was 17, 18 years old. I was doing hard drugs. And, uh, you know, people always say, oh, you did it because you're, uh, you had a, issues when you were younger or something to do with your childhood well I don't believe in any of that I did it because I liked it because <laughs> you know <laughs> I mean that's the it truth made of you it. feel better yeah it made me good. feel better you know <laughs> I never bought into all that stuff yeah. so um and then uh so I was like 17 18 and I was I was still using I was you know you start off with drinking and smoking and then you go from there to um you know other stuff and I, and 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 at at some point I found meth and I really got stuck there for a very very long time and uh or it found me whatever and uh um I did meth for for the next 10 years at least on a monthly basis and I mean I managed to get a job and get a house and get married and get divorced and you know have a kid and then you know I was had one foot in the drug world and one foot out in the regular world, but I was never able to escape it. And uh, at some, at one point, I managed to get a. a I was on the road, and and I, I, I bought a new truck, a semi truck, and I, I traveled, you know, cross country for ten years moving furniture, and uh, I would pretty much use every time I came back into town. So my escape was to get out of town. You know, so get you know get out of town. Then I was okay as long as I. But then I come back in. And I said, I'm never gonna do that again. Two months later, here I am. You know, and uh, you, I'm, I'm sure some of y'all know the routine. But um, yeah, so it was kind of the the ten years. Was that sort of back and forth, or I guess was it gradually? Because you the, started when the you were ten years so. was actually not the worst part. That was the part leading up to the worst part. <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, I was still working and stuff, but uh, I was definitely an addict and. Uh, you always try to justify yourself, whereas you look at other people that you know and you say, wow, I'm not as bad as that guy, so I'm okay, you know, until one day when you become that guy and then everybody looks at you and they say, oh, I'm not as bad as Jeff, you know, <laughs> you, you, you become the guy that you said you weren't. But uh, it, at, um, I think, I think I was closer to 30, and I, um, around 30, I ended up getting a DWI in Garland. I was in my vet, and I made a U-turn in the middle of the night, and that was it. And I'd been up for days, and I'd been, you know, always living on the edge. And uh, that was the beginning of the end for me. It was almost like God's grace had fallen away, and uh, he was trying to tell me something. And uh, Was this uh, kind of like your lowest, like your lowest moment? No, not yet. Okay. No, you're <laughs> just on the way. We're getting there. <laughs> on the way down. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I got the DWI. I, uh, it, I ended up not working no more after that. The next five years was really rough. I was an addict. I was high for five years, basically, uh, to be honest. I'll just put it out there. Uh, there was maybe four or five days in there total that I wasn't. And uh, that was it. I mean, I was just stuck. And, uh, you know, it took... It took uh, it took the police to, to get me to stop, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, what was the, the kind of moment, or was it a moment, or was it a little season where it was like, okay, not necessarily the turning point, but at least a, a moment of like, wow, like, how did I get here? And in that moment, like, I don't know, what was that, like, what was that like? Or did you feel a sense of, like, distance from God, or was that like you started to come closer to God, or how did you experience it? Yeah. You know, they say that when you go to jail... Uh, 
you know, everybody goes to God <laughs> all of a sudden because that's all you got left, right? But uh, that was my low point. And when I was sitting in jail and I was looking at out the window and I was praying to God, Lord, help me. I'll change again, you know. And uh, I said, I'll, I'll make a difference. I don't know. I'll, I'll do better. Send me a, a woman that, that doesn't like to party all the time because that's all I ever found, you know. And, uh, and well, he, he, he did answer me, so that's good. But uh, it... Uh, <laughs> um, it, I was in there. It's let me go back to this. Uh, I was in jail and I was praying to God to do something. And it's funny how the Lord works because it, it's he. I, I seen a guy in there and he went into rehab to a, a Christian rehab. My, you know, by now I had already God was you know way in the back. You know, and uh, hadn't gone to church in you know a long long time, many years. But. And, and he went to a Christian rehab, and he went and he, he went to court, and he got out, and a day later, they picked him up, and he was gone to the ranch out in Maybank, Texas, in the middle of nowhere, in a great place. And I was like, wow, that's cool. I'm, I'm ready to get out of here, too. I've been in there two months. I was like, this sucks. And uh, so I called my mom, Mom, the Lord led me to go to a Christian rehab. You know, really, it was just me manipulating the system still, right? But, and uh, I was just wanted out. And because the other rehab, which was court-mandated, you had to wait for six months before you got to the six months. So then you're, you'd be in jail for You'd be in jail longer, for, yeah. uh, and, it was, and it was jail, pretty much. The rehab was also jail, pretty much. So anyway, that was, I, the Lord tricked me. He said, uh, he said, huh, watch this. So I made it work, and sure enough, I went to court, and I was two hours back, and they picked me up, you know, and I'm on my way to Maybank to a Christian rehab, and uh, I was going for, you know, for six months. And, but, yeah, I did definitely manipulate my way to get there. I thought it was, you know, the quickest way out. Yeah. So was, um, I guess, was this kind of like a, a turning point kind of for you in your life, or, or was it I, I thought else? it was. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, on my first visit back, I ended up bringing back some drugs. And that was, you know, I still wanted to be the man. And uh, I wasn't. And then and I got caught and everything, you know, re- that's what happens in there. But and then amazingly enough, uh, Isaiah Robertson, he, was, he used to be a running back for the Rams. Uh, he was the, uh, he's the owner back then, bless his heart, he passed away. But uh, he says, Jeff, I'm going to, uh, you know, I forgive you and, and let's move on. You know, he didn't. This kick, was after you he had. He didn't kick me out. Kind of, okay. Yeah. yeah, he didn't kick me out. He says, I, I still love you. It's, we're going to work it out, you know. So I'm still there. So, and then um, that to me was really like the turning point. The next day I went to Pastor Bob and talked to him and told him everything in my life. And we prayed and cried and just, we were there for hours and I just, you know, and I walked out of the building that day, a new man. I was, that's the day that I point to. Yeah. And I said, that made the difference for me right there. Cause wow. I've, I've never looked back since then. Yeah. What, just for context, kind of what mm-hmm. year or like roughly when, when was that? That was uh, that was a good 16, 17 years ago. Okay. Probably eight, yeah, yeah. somewhere 16, 18 years wow. ago, somewhere around there. Yeah. Wow. Um, so how about, kind of like catch us up now so s- 16 years later what's the journey been like what does your faith in christ mean now how's yeah yeah how, how are you i'm good <laughs> i'm great uh, 
I definitely believe that God still loves us. He still loves me and, and my family. And, and I like to say, I always say that I am living proof that no matter how deep you are in the trenches, that you can get out and still do great things. You know, you don't have to be there. You don't have to commit that that's who you are for life because that's what you've been into for so long. You, you can do way better. I got some of my, my son's friends here, and they're looking at me like, what in the world? <laughs> you know, they, wouldn't, they didn't have a clue, some of them, but this, this, is, that's, this is my past, so it is what it is. Um, I was laid down a, uh, a foundation for Christ by my parents, and yeah, I did, I did escape from it. I did get away from it, and, um, but it was always there. That when I did get to jail, that's what I was doing. I was praying, you know, and I came back. So I hope that now, at least I, I have laid the foundation for my kids so that they can, if they stray, they can always come back. Wow. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Jeff, we're, we're proud of you, and we're, we're glad that um, you're following Christ in a better, a better place. Absolutely. Better I'm glad yeah. to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you. Y'all give him a hand. around Easter. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Going so on a year. Yeah. One thing I, I really appreciate about Miriam is she has, I don't know if all of you got a chance to interact with her, but she just has kind of a, I don't know, like a certain joy or energy that when you're around her, like it's just, I don't know, you just feel better. It's like that smile and everything. It's just like, yeah. I'm dying on everything's the inside gonna, right now. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm like, Ooh. I'm so nervous. <laughs> no, it's, you're, you're wonderful. Oh, thank you. So, um, Give us a little bit of, of background, a little bit like, just like Jeff, kind of who you, who you are, you know, now, like where you're living, where, you know, and then take us back to like family upbringing and um, some of that, that journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, I could talk for days on this, so I'll try to condense it. Um, I am Miriam. I'm 29. I live up in Anna, Texas with my BFF right there. Uh, so... Sorry. <laughs> so um, used to be a teacher. I was a teacher for four years, recently left that profession, and now I'm working in cybersecurity. Very similar. Not at all. So <laughs> I love it. Um, I am, yeah, that's where I am right now. So going back into my family history, uh, kind of like, um, what was that earlier? You wouldn't know by looking at me, but I am half Middle Eastern. I take after my mom. My dad is Palestinian. And so my dad grew up in, um, in Jordan and moved to America when he was in college and met my mom and had seven of us. And so my dad uh, is Muslim and had my mom convert to Islam um, so that they could get married. And so I was actually raised Muslim. Um, again, seven children. There were uh, six girls and one boy, so I kind of feel bad for my brother. He's <laughs> he's a sweet boy, though. Um, but we uh, lived in Houston growing up and then moved down to Corpus Christi, Texas. 
And so, yeah, lived my life. Um, we were one of not many Muslim families there. So there was a lot of, like, discrimination um, just geared towards us um, because I did cover my hair. Um, I did wear long sleeve and all that. Uh, now I'm up here with, like, tattoos and everything. So <laughs> I did do all that, practice the religion. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough, um, called names, like, terrorist all the time and just different things. And so... Um, my parents separated and then divorced when I was 14, and the reason was because my mom left the religion. Um, so I was the only one of the seven kids that went and lived with my dad. And so we kind of hopped around, went to an apartment, went to houses, and my dad uh, remarried six months after he divorced from my mom. And I got two stepsisters out of that who were my age, and uh, that was great. Uh, and so went to college, met my best friend, Sarah, and that's going to probably transition into your next uh, question. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So how, I mean, obviously now you're here mm -hmm. in a Christian church, yep. you know, so how did some of that, that kind of religious transition, like what, how, what did that look like? Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah, definitely. So I was very proud of my religion and I think I was proud of it because, um, I tried to be that person that my dad wanted me to be. Um, you know, stand firm in your faith. You're going to be the one that turned out right out of all the kids. And so I wanted to make him proud. Um, and so I had no intention of seeking out another religion. Um, actually, on the flip side, Sarah was, you know, sharing Christianity with me. We met in college. We're in the same sorority. And I was trying to convert her to Islam. And so I thought I was doing a great job. <laughs> and look where we are today. Uh, so I would bring my Quran. She would bring the Bible. And honestly, if you don't know, they're very similar. Um, the difference really happens at what happened to Jesus and onward. But everything, I believed in Jesus growing up. Um, and so we bonded over that. Um, and that process took three years. Three years of me going to church with her. Um, I served in a church still covered. Um, they let me come in, much like this church. We're great about accepting anyone and, and everyone. Served in the church. And throughout those three years, there was a lot of, like, signs, I feel like, from God. And uh, just things pointing me towards the direction of Christianity. Um, and there was a big reason as to why I converted I'm just going to keep going. You stop me if you, <laughs> you want me to stop. Um, I'm gay, and I've known since I was very young. And I hear the argument all the time, oh, you, you, there's no way you could know that young. But my thing is, is like at five years old, you know, kids have crushes. And I'm like, mine were on girls. And I, I knew. I knew my entire life, but I was always told, no, 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 it's a sin. Uh, abomination, it's not okay. And so a lot of the reason why I was uh, so okay with leaving my faith was because that faith was not taking the gay away. And I was so desperate. Um, countless nights crying, like, what is wrong with me? This is awful. I'm going to hell, blah, blah, blah. And I saw Sarah's life change in Christianity, how she, we, we, we were in a sorority. We partied. I mean, we, we did that. And then she was like, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm like, wow, your God changed you. Maybe he could change me. And so I was, I was just, I was desperate. I knew I would lose my family. 
but it was honestly like I, I couldn't I couldn't handle it anymore. And so I converted to Christianity when I was 20, and I did. I lost part of my family. I haven't talked to my dad in 10 years almost, or he hasn't talked to me, um, that whole side of my family. And, yeah, I was just still desperate to pray it away. You hear that term, pray the gay away. And didn't work. <laughs> I, I tried. I We went on mission trips. Uh, we've been to multiple countries. I served in ministry. I, I devoted my life to trying to pray this away. But honestly, like, nobody knew. It was all in secret because I didn't come out until last year, and I'm 29 now. Um, so that was really, really lonely, um, a very, very lonely experience. Um, that was harder to deal with, honestly, than, like, losing my family. Um, so that's kind of where I am right now. I know you have some follow-up questions that I forgot about, so <laughs> ask them, and it will come to me. Well, I'm, I'm, one thing I'm curious about is do you, like, thinking of these two kind of major transition mm -hmm. moments – kind of based on what you just named, mm -hmm. are you saying that you think probably that transition of coming out mm -hmm. and accepting that part of yourself, like that has been a more challenging transition? Mm -hmm. Like was, do you think that's that's been the more, is that kind of what I understood you yeah, saying? Yeah, it, it, it has been because for me, like becoming a Christian was a choice for me. Being gay is not a choice for me. And it was easy for me to be like, okay, I'm making this choice and I'm leaving my faith and going to this one, but I have to accept being gay and I'm not making this choice. Whether I want it or not, it's here. And so that's that's why it's been harder for me. Do you think me. some of that is kind of identity? Like the first is sort of, I don't know, this thing that I can participate in or mm -hmm. not, or it's like a little bit more external somehow, even though, of course, our relationship with God is very mm -hmm. personal, but you know, sort of like, I'm going to participate in this religious tradition, or, mm, okay, no, now I'm going to do this one. Whereas, like you said, sexual orientation, that just, it, it just gets so intertwined yeah. deeply with a sense of kind of who we are. Mm -hmm. And so that ended up being, there was this um, almost like a journey to accept mm -hmm. yourself. Yep. Is that, I don't want to put yeah, words in no, your no, mouth, no. but something like yep, Absolutely. That. And it was a lot because I was, I was told all the time that it was wrong. And I honestly thought something was wrong with me because I, I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't. Um, I, I dated one person, and it was a guy, and I was so desperate. And he's, he's, one, he's great. He's one of my best friends today. Um, but I, I was willing to be miserable and to make everyone else happy. And honestly, like, I realized that I didn't give enough credit to those around me because in my head I built up these scenarios like, oh, they're going to ostracize me again. I'm going to lose people again. I don't want this to happen again, so I'm just going to live with it, and I'll make everyone else happy. Yeah. What, um, what would you say to someone? Like, Maybe it's not even sexual orientation, but I think this is – in a way, just like Jeff's journey is so applicable for anyone struggling with like addiction or just parts of their life that feels kind of out of control. And I, I think for you, it's like identity things, mm -hmm. like parts of myself that I'm struggling to accept, you know, mm -hmm. these things that I just want to change. I got to change that. And it's, but there's certain parts of us that we, you know, it's like our personality or mm -hmm. so like it's not changing. <laughs> um, what would you, 
say to them, like whether it's a word of encouragement or perspective or you know, anything along those lines of if someone is um, yeah, struggling with, with that same kind of identity mm-hmm. type, type stuff? Yeah, there's a few things, a few words of encouragement that I've heard. So the first is there are things that we find hard to accept within ourselves. I mean, everyone struggles with that. What helped me was finding a community or even close friends that I knew I could trust. And one other thing was, was I was so scared to tell people around me that I knew that I reached out to, and I don't, I'm not recommending this for everyone. It worked for me. I reached out to people who experienced the same thing as me, who were gay women who came out that I didn't know, people that I met um, on social media and stuff. And they really encouraged me because I was reaching out to people who knew nothing about me. They had no prior judgment. Um, I would encourage y'all to, whoever is struggling with whatever, really focus in and hone on those people and give them credit. They're in your life. They love you. They're going to love you no matter what. And if not, then they're not meant to be in your life. And I've experienced that time and time again. Thankfully, coming out was an easier transition when it came to the people around me. Um, And I know not everyone has that experience. But on the flip side, if there is anyone who um, knows somebody who's struggling with something, I want to tell those people, like, we're not here to try to change your conviction. We kind of just wish that we were not judged for our own. And that's the biggest thing for us. Um, And I would just encourage you to love on these people. Um, Again, gay, not gay, whatever they're struggling with, love on them. Because if they're coming to you and they trust in you, that, that, that's a big step. So I would encourage them with that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Miriam, your story is, um, it's really, it's pretty remarkable. Thank remarkable. you. And I appreciate your courage in, in sharing with, with all of us. So. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Y'all Thank give you. her a hand.